0: What a nightmare. The Mets were swept by the Dodgers and Queens. I got a lot to say about the job Luis Rojas did managing this series, Figgy. Hmm.
1: We'll talk about what went wrong over the weekend, whether this is still a playoff team, and the series in the Bay up ahead against the best team in baseball, the San Francisco Giants.
0: Our special guest this week is 1986 World Series champion, Mets legend, Daryl Strawberry. So drink some tea and
1: take a deep breath. Join us on a brand new edition of Amazing But True from the New York Post.
2: Queens and Yo,
0: let's take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange is blue. So amazing. Here's the bitch.
2: New York folks, it's out of here. We got you.
1: Welcome everyone to the Amazing But True Podcast. Sponsored by the New York Post, brought to you by Jake Brown, Nelson Figueroa. This is our group therapy session. I had to start off the show today because Jake he's kind of losing it. I'm worried about him. And I think he needs
0: this more than we do. Jake? What happened at City Field over the weekend, Dr. Figgy is just pathetic. This team, yes, they were in the game on Friday when they lost 6-5 in 10 innings. Yes, they came back, they were down 4-0, and they had a magical seventh inning to wake everybody in the biggest crowd of the year before Saturday's biggest crowd and the two biggest crowds of the year before waking them up, but they lost in 10 innings. Saturday losing 2-1 in 10 innings. And then Sunday, where they got absolutely embarrassed on national television 14-4 to the point where they had two pinch hitters Pitching in the ninth inning. They pulled Drury for Pilar. And you thought the laughing stock was over there. They are now two and a half games back. The Mets were outclassed. They were out They were out hit. My opinion, most importantly, outmanaged. And that wasn't just Luis Rojas. It was Dave Jows too, but he's not the manager. So we could let it slide with him. Luis Rojas is the manager. And I lost sleep Friday figgy. I wanted to do a show Friday night. I was like, get the microphone in front of my face Friday night. When for a third straight day, he used Jairus Familia for no reason. When Aaron Loop, one of the best pitchers on the planet in 2021, probably the Mets' best free agent signing, with pitching to a 1-1-3 ERA, just dominating no matter what side of the plate he faces. And Luis Rojas had the audacity to say, oh, there were righties coming up, and that's why I used Jairus Familia for a third straight day. Death taxes, and pitchers not doing well on a third straight day. You knew what was going to happen. Will Smith, the fresh prince of Hollywood, hit a home run to put the Dodgers ahead. And you knew the game was over when Familia was in the game. Why is Aaron Loop not in Friday's game when he just pitched one day prior and that was it? Instead, he puts in Familia. They lose on Friday. Then on Saturday, the up-down reasoning's got to stop because I'm banging my head up and down when I hear the term up-down. When it comes to Seth Lugo, Luis Rojas on why Seth Lugo didn't pitch, and I know this was Dave Jow's call because Rojas was thrown. I knew it was going to be tough for Seth to throw two, as in two innings, after two up-downs two days ago. Lugo pitched one and two-thirds innings against the Nationals on Thursday. Two up-downs! Two days later, Seth Lugo used to be a starting pitcher! Andy Pettit's a starting pitcher! Seth Lugo used to be a starting pitcher! How is Seth Lugo not pitching the 10th, but Yenzi Diaz is pitching the 10th! Yenzi Diaz! Yen's no Diaz! Why is he in the game over Seth Lugo for a second inning? And then on top of that, Figgy, stop! In that position, when you're down one run on Saturday, why not move the runner to third and get him home? Why, when there's a runner at second, no outs, Get you pinch hit from Nito with McCann? McCann has been terrible. He was the worst Mets free agent signing. Why is McCann pinch hitting only to strike out on an embarrassing at-bat? Why is Nito not just in, moving the runner over, maybe trying to steal a base with VR, one of your fastest players at second base? How do you not get that run in on Saturday and play for the tie? Instead, VR is stranded with Andy Sandberg on a lonely island at second base. He did not just have sex, but he just stayed at second base. Oof. He stayed there, and then he got get him home. It was pathetic, the display. And then on top of that Sunday, and I'll I'll finish with this, Carlos Carrasco gets rocked, Figgy. Six six runs, he sucked. Put the Mets out of the game early. But why in the Lord's name, with two runners on and one out in the second when it's 6-0, you need to come back. Luis Rojas decides to hit Carrasco and then pull him. He pulled him in the top of the third. Jake Reed comes in, and Jake Reed was fantastic but he pulls him after he hits. Why is he hitting? Why are you throwing in the white towel in the second inning? And to make matters worse, he didn't use his bench players to pinch hit when the game was in reach. He used them to pitch! He used his top two pinch hitters, Kevin Pillar and Brandon Drury, to pitch the ninth inning, but they weren't available to hit when you needed a pinch hitter. Not saying, you know, you're in striking distance, it's six nothing, but Brandon Drury gets a hit, scores a run at six one, you got two runners on, and the game's not completely out of reach. Instead, Carlos Carrasco hits and does nothing, and then he gets pulled. Just an embarrassing weekend for Rojas and Joust, but you put it more on the manager. And listen, Carlos Carrasco was asked about it. He said, I don't know, man. I really don't. He has his own players having to answer for him, and guess what? They don't have an answer. And I know it goes beyond the manager. People want to say you can't blame the manager for a 14 4 loss. But Figgy, the manager gets the responsibility in the end for the team's wins and losses. And I think he has just been outmanaged. And not saying Dave Roberts lit it up managing over the weekend, but you can see why the Dodgers are where they are and why the Mets are falling out of the playoff race and are in trouble going into a week against the best team in baseball and the Dodgers that just kicked their freaking ass.
1: I digress. Uh, Digress. Yes. Yes, you did. Um, So you left a lot out there. What I'm going to start out, I'm going to start out backwards. The 14 to four fiasco, throw it away. Max Scherzer's on the mound. You've got an opportunity in that ball game very early with Carrasco's, the six runs that happened. If, Carrasco gets a hit and say, two run score because there was a lucky double. he probably keeps pitching. He probably keeps pitching in a 6-2 ball game. That's probably why they left him in there. That's neither here nor there. To know that you were so close on Saturday and Friday, that to me is the more frustrating part. Because we keep talking about this team and their inability to drive in runs and play the game the right way, um, which is just putting the ball in play, not trying to swing for a home run. If James McCann goes up there one more damn time and just swings at three random pitches anywhere on planet Earth, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. And I'm okay with that. What we're seeing over and over again is this team's inability to play team baseball. When it comes to driving runners in, they do it for small streaks and you do it against the Nationals and we praise you and we're like, yes, that's how you play winning baseball. And then they're like, oh, well, it's the Dodgers. All those guys on the Nationals were throwing upper 90s with nasty sliders as well. They had a team approach of, hey, hit the ball the other way, hit a hard line drive. I saw them trying to be heroic. There's no such thing as a six-run home run. I saw them trying to do things that were outside of their realm against some of the best pitchers in baseball that happen to wear Dodgers uniforms. Kenley Jansen goes out there, and he has made mistakes. He's not been perfect, but, man, he looked like he was just toying with them at times. I saw a lot of just no urgency is the word we've used before. They were so close, and little mistakes like McCann flipping the ball haphazardly over the pitcher's head, which leads to a guy taking third and then a sacrifice fly – that made the fourth run, and the Mets score their four runs, and there was only three runs. It'd still be a 4-3 ball game, and who knows? They might have won-, won that game. So being that close to a team that you are obviously out-rostered, out-managed by, and I wouldn't even say it's out-managed because Dave Roberts made some really eyebrow-raising calls. Bickford was the guy's name on Saturday that went up against the NC Diaz in the extra innings. Pickford. Is he on your bingo card? Do you know who he is? He's got a sub three. ra He's not a bum. Does not matter. The, Roberts left in the lefty to try and face everybody. That's how that four run rally started. So these things happen because you're expecting and you want to challenge guys now in the middle of August to try and get the job done. Yancy Diaz only gave up the one run. Familia gave up the two run home run to me. Bad Bad. If you throw a ball on the inside part of the plate to Will Smith, it's going to get hammered. I don't know how much more this kid can prove it, but hey, let's keep trying it because all he did was hit a home run almost every day. Stop throwing him any kind of pitch on the inside part of the plate. Let him try and get extended and go out to a right center field if he can. Mets didn't do that. Every mistake that they made, he made them pay. And in big moments. And that's what Will Smith has done in his short career
0: thus far. Met killer Will Smith. And it's only fitting given Luis Rojas is iRobot. What a Will Smith's movies <laughs> that Will Smith killed the Mets. I, I am to, to
1: know that you were that close in those first two games and you had a chance to win those games. You had a chance multiple times in those first two games the third one listen you get every now and then you get smoked and you just got to tip your cap to the other team there was no coming back from that one early on that's a concern though the starting pitchers who we keep saying have to be better and better. Seems to be a three spot right in the first inning, and you're playing three runs behind with an offense who's struggling to score three runs, period. Makes it much, much more difficult because the Mets seem to score all their runs from the seventh inning on, so they make it exciting. We talked about this team, and we said how resilient they were, all the injuries, all the little things. The run differential comes back to haunt you when you're not outscoring your opponent by a healthy margin in these one-run games, and we saw the stats all weekend long. The Dodgers are terrible in one-run games. This is where the Mets excel except you have to execute you have to execute and when the guys that are coming up every inning how many turners are on the dodgers i swear to god there was a turner every other batter even though it was only two it seemed like they were up all the damn time
0: and well turner and turner beat diaz and diaz in the in the battle of law and and all
1: they and all they did was come through again and again and again and that's what they do that's what these professional players do there's a tale of two organizations right now we can all be realistic about it they are not the dodgers they don't have the firepower to compete with the Dodgers. Can they beat the Dodgers? Absolutely. Absolutely they can beat the Dodgers. Any team can be beaten on any given night by any team. That's the beauty of baseball. However, and of which you can't continue to make mistakes. You can't continue to beat yourself. And expect a team like the Dodgers to just lay down for you and be like, oh, we're, you know, what 25, 30 games above 500, we don't care. They do care. They're trying to catch the Giants. They look up at the scoreboard and see the Giants every single night. They're winning again. And they're keeping their pedal to the metal. How do you know that? The organization went out and made a ton of moves to bolster this team while they're in second place not first place second place what you were looking for and what you were hoping for was that when the Mets were four and a half games up and the trade deadline was coming they were going to make these big moves that were going to solidify the team
0: they half-assed it they They
1: just they they were realistic I'm promising you Jake they were realistic about the situation look at the run differential look at where we're at look at the guys that are supposed to be carrying us still batting below 200 look at all the injuries we have Look at all the pieces we're missing. And if you're expecting Carlos Carrasco to come riding on a white horse to save the day, you're sadly mistaken. He makes a mistake, and it's compounded because they've been big mistakes. they have been three run home runs, two run home runs early in the ballgame. He's a very good pitcher. He hasn't hit a rhythm yet. Taiwan Walker, hey, Taiwan Walker came back for a day and did fantastic. He threw more split fingers than he's thrown. Most split fingers he's thrown in in the whole year. 90-mile-an-hour split finger was off the table and just – he was very aggressive. That was the Taiwan Walker we saw before the All-Star break. An aggressive. Had a no-hitter
0: going into the seventh where you were saying, I was saying to my friends, I was like, look at the scoreboard. I didn't want to jinx it. I was like, yeah. I won't say the zero <laughs> if you don't want to jinx it. But uh, then he he blew it, of course, with the home run by the, uh, the Fresh Prince of yeah, Hollywood. Exactly. Run, of
1: but that, but here, here's what you're looking at with Taiwan Walker. That was a huge step forward against a very, very good lineup. He was very aggressive. That's the kind of pitcher he needs to be. I don't like this guy who kind of looks like he's doubting himself as he's pitching, and and every mistake is uh, I look like Stephen Matz. Oh, what was me? No. He was dominant from pitch one. He made a mistake, and it cost him. Conforto hit a home run. We saw, again, bits and pieces of Conforto showing up. But still, when bases were loaded, and it had a chance to almost tie the ball game, he couldn't get it done. Six to two, and, and he hits a little roller and gets him another
0: run. It was six nothing, and I was gaining seven pounds in the Polar Burger line. Yes, seven pounds. Will Smed movie. if he didn't get the reference on Sunday. But I forgot. I'm shaking here, Figgy, because I forgot to mention Friday. That Luis Rojas doesn't start Conforto. Dom, McNeil, he, I Conforto, Dom, and McNeil, he threw the white towel in when he handed the lineup to the umpire and said, let me get my lefty, lefty, ready, ready. Let me get the matchup. And then he pinch hits with all them to the point where he's got no one left We're in the 10th inning, he's got to pinch hit with his last guy, his backup catcher, Tomas Nito. You can't keep doing this. This is a pennant race. Conforto is getting hot. He's on the bench. Dom Smith notoriously is better this year than ever against lefty. He's on the bench. Jeff McNeil, he's on the bench. Maybe one of those three guys you bench. You can't go into a series against a World Series contender and bench three of your better players just because the lefty was starting. You cannot do it. You look at Uri's splits. You want to look at the stupid numbers? The splits show that Yuri's has not been great against lefties as he usually is. He isn't this dominant guy against lefty. So he lost the series and the weekend on Friday when he handed the lineup out there, fifty. <laughs>
1: Oh, but how exciting was it when he kept putting the pieces back in and the pieces of the puzzle were fitting perfectly when they tied up the ball game? And you would
0: have fit perfectly in the first inning when they came up to plate, but they weren't in the first inning. They didn't show up till the seventh They inning. had
1: every opportunity. Look at the Dodgers, and things aren't exactly swimmingly well. You got Bellinger, who was a former MVP, and he has to bat seventh in that lineup. I'm sorry, I'll repeat. Bellinger, former MVP, and probably finished top five in MVP in his first two years as well. And then all of a sudden, you see this guy's batting seventh. Really? Is this the guy that you don't want to worry about coming in batting seventh when you got you know two, three guys on with that kind of swing that he has? He rips a line drive off Diaz, winds up Conforto has to play it, misplays it, throws it in, runs scores. That was the difference in the ball game right there. So was it a huge towering blast that he gave up? No, but he's not the kind of guy I want to face. I'll face anybody but him or Will Smith. Honestly, that, that that just was ridiculous all weekend, just seeing Will Smith smiling the whole time. Like, I can't believe they keep pitching to me because I'm not missing
0: anything. It is the biggest crowd of the year Friday. Black Jersey Friday. Fans are pumped. I'm there having a great time. I'm sweating my balls off. It's so hot. Oh, Moore is starting! Stop! Cut him! Bring up Josh Reddick, who you just signed, who's a major leaguer. I'm sick of the Albert Amora. He's great defensively. Well, listen, he's not even starting in center field, so that, that excuse of he's good defensively, throw that out the window because you got him in left and right field. I mean, you don't need a go-glover in left and right field. You need a bat. Albert Amora is hitting 120, and you're facing the Dodgers in front of the biggest crowd of the year, and he's starting. That is a joke it's embarrassing, it shouldn't even be allowed. It's just pathetic that he's even in the lineup. They put out their C-squad. In a series you're trying to win and send a statement to a Dodger team, Figgy. that if you are making the playoffs, is a team you might be facing. This was a playoff preview, and if that's the case, The Mets are toast, and obviously without DeGrom, if he doesn't come back, they're toast. And Lindor, I know, has been working out. He might be back by the weekend against the Dodgers, hopefully. But, my God, enough Almora. I mean, this is ridiculous. This is a a team fighting for a divisional title, and you have Albert Almora starting and just looking lost at the plate like he's been lost all season. Get a big leaguer like Redick up here if you're going to do that. So you've had the quick
1: numbers on this weekend, and I'm not even going to talk about the Dodgers numbers. Well, I will. I'll just give you a comparison of what it looked like. So the Mets scored 10 runs in the three games, and that's about average for them, three runs a game, a little bit more. 17 hits total, two doubles only, one home run, extra base power, gap to gap, stuff that we talk about, hitting the ball the other way, hitting the ball where it's pitched. That was irrelevant because they only had 17 hits, two doubles, one home run, eight RBIs, 15 walks, 35 strikeouts. Dodgers had 13 walks and 35 strikeouts as well, but they hit seven home runs and had 22 RBIs, eight doubles, one triple. They just pounded the baseball. and It didn't matter who the pitcher was. Oh, yeah, we didn't even get into Seth Lugo. Seth Lugo, not... Getting a chance to pitch a second inning because he only threw.
0: I said that. That was my whole rant in the up downs.
1: It's not even to me about the up -up downs because, come on, a, a guy would hope to be challenged in that situation because that's why you want him in the back of the bullpen to be able to do that and give you that flexibility and have him go a second inning. Having said that, like I said, Yancy Diaz gives up the one run. We've seen Seth Lugo give up five runs and no outs. So I'm not, I'm not saying that it was the send-all, but still, I want to have my best weapons out there. And Dave Joust didn't make that decision. Managers that replace managers that get thrown out are getting the information of what to do every step of the way. They're not making their own decisions. That's not.
0: Oh, I don't want to hear. I, that's, that's everyone true. who defends Rojas will say that it's coming from up top. No, come, no, no, you no, 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 no. I'm saying. It. Did up top say hit Albert Amora and put him in the line of Friday? Is that what people up top said that? I, I can't
1: really. You think Luis Rojas is going to put his job on the line for Albert Amora?
0: You don't know. I don't know. We don't know who made the lineup. So, but the, the blame has to go in. Raw. You're not going to say, "Oh, I'm going to blame the GM like he's getting fired for the line." You can't do that. And the pinch hitting decision, and you can't tell me that Zach Scott called in and said, hey, I want you to hit Carlos Carrasco here, but then we're going to pull him after the second inning and put in a new pitcher. We're going to bring him to the plate for no reason. You can't tell me that came from up top. That came from down low. (laughs)
1: no I, that yeah the, the tons of questionable moves tons
0: why do i even shower before this show i'm sweating my balls off <laughs> again, yelling again in my, in my room why do i even take a shower before i record this yeah no it, it,
1: <sighs> the frustration level of course is is granted but you're looking
0: still two and a half out right and the giants this week san francisco you know a couple of tough matchups hill versus gaussman stroman versus webb mcgill versus d Scafani, do you think the Mets have a shot to win this series or are they getting swept out of the bay, too?
1: Going on the road has not been very kind to the Mets. And, and the Giants playing very well at home. The matchup does not seem very favorable for the Mets. But this is why you play the game. We have to see if they're able to drive in runs. It, it all comes down to driving in runs. Jake, the pitching coach over with the in Taiwan, and I made a statement my very first day, my very first minute of being named the pitching coach, I get in front of the team and I said, I guarantee you we will win every single game if we score one more run than the other. Team. I guarantee it. We will win every single game. And
0: amazing if true. I
1: got I got roaring cheers. And I was like, I don't think they understood the simplicity of the math, but if we score one more run, then the other team we're gonna win every single game. That's all I asked for. Offense that can kind of put fear. I I can't see like other teams coming in here and going, Man, I'm really afraid of this lineup. We haven't seen them put but maybe three games where they put it all together this year where you're like, man, look at this, up and down the line, I'm very complete. They'll have three guys that really have a great game, and it all gets compounded into those three. All in all, Hugh Quattlebaum is not the answer. The Mets have done worse under Hugh Quattlebaum than they have with Chili Davis, and they were ready to pull the plug on Davis so soon. Has it been done with three three hitting coaches in one season? No, it's never been done because the futility has to be blamed on someone, and it has to be blamed on the players. The players know this. They got to wake up and look in the mirror. They got to go every day and practice. But if you're doing the same thing you're you've been doing since April and you're looking at your swing and you're looking at your numbers and you're looking at your approach and you're still seeing the same measly 217 batting average and the home run total is still about the same James McCann time to change your approach time to do something maybe just put the ball in play move a runner over let somebody else take a hack at it because it's just been really frustrating to watch over and over again these guys are just complacent complacent with saying well I swung hard exit velocity on that foul ball was fantastic but all in all it comes down to putting the ball in play finding a way to move guys over and get guys in
0: how am I going to survive 45 more games with Luis Rojas at the helm I, I don't know if my blood pressure could go through this cholesterol runs in the family Jake well it surely <laughs> it surely does because the only Salas Salas what's the was to get this word solace every time death taxes and me for getting solace the only solace to the mets missing the playoffs will be Luis rojas looking for a new and listen i don't root for someone to get fired you know he'll land on his feet somewhere he'll have a soft landing uh with some team but enough is enough you gotta go on a new direction and bring me a manager that, that knows what he's doing because this weekend was tough to watch and a couple of decisions away from a series win Sunday, you know, they were going to lose anyway, but the Carrasco thing, that pissed me off, and it it left him speechless after the game, because he said, I don't know, man, I don't know, I don't know why the manager made that move, Uh, so he's got players confused, and this is a big week, Giants, and then the Dodgers once again, listen, the Braves schedule I looked over is just insanely easy, where I think they have a good shot to win this division now, they get the Marlins for three and the Orioles for three, talk about a cakewalk and the Phillies will face the D-backs for three. So this division is really slipping away from the Mets, and we said 13 days and hell might do it. Well, we're three days in, and hell is burning. Hell is burning <laughs> over for the New York Mets. Uh, hell is not burning over for our guest, though, who is a 1986 World Series champion. <laughs> Maybe not the best wording. Uh, age me. Christmas. <laughs> By the way, for Thursday's show, amazingbetroupod at gmail.com, and call our voicemail, 845 391 36 60 hell's never burning over for our 1986 world series champion guest daryl strawberry coming up next on amazing but true joining us now on amazing but true for the first time is one of the all-time great mets he spent his first eight seasons with the mets from 1983 through 1990 where he made the all-star team seven times in those eight years He's, of course, a key member of the 1986 World Series champion, Miracle Mets. He was the NL Rookie of the Year in 1983, the NL Home Run Leader in 88, and a two-time Silver Slugger Award winner in 88 and 90. He's still the Mets' all-time Home Run Leader at 252. He played 17 years in the big leagues and won three more World Series titles with the Yankees in 96, 98, 99, 335 career homers, 1,000 RBIs, And a member of the Mets Hall of Fame, he's the author of Straw, Finding My Way, and will also be featured in the 30 for 30 on the 86 Mets coming September 14th and 15th on ESPN Once Upon a Time in Queens. He's also now an evangelist on the road, traveling the country. Let's give a warm, amazing but true welcome to the great Daryl Strawberry. Daryl, welcome to the show. How are you?
2: I'm good, guys, thanks for having me Jacob. I uh, appreciate it.
0: yeah, appreciate you uh, coming on the show strawberries i was I was mentioning my friend Gabby worked there. Strawberries are think. can we bring some kind of strawberries back to the city field area to replace the hubcaps and tire shops because people want to eat and drink and not get a tire, Daryl.
2: yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if it'd be strawberry, but uh, you know, you replace it with something. You know, far as you know, bringing so much more exciting excitement. I mean, around by the ballpark, you know, it needs to be. I mean, I know the fans are excited, you know, and you see a ball club and you think you have a ball club that's prepared to win. And you get to a point, you know, last part of the year, and you start questioning yourself about being at the ballpark. Is are these guys really have that urgency and understand? The point of playing in Queens, and you know what it's all about, playing for the New York Mets.
0: Yeah, what's wrong with this team? Can you've been watching lately? The team is two and a half games back. What do you think is uh, the major issue or or the biggest issues with this Mets team?
2: And I think fundamentally they. Don't do the little things to win ball games. You know, I think every guy that I see step to the plate believes they have to hit a home run. You know, if they're doing the switch and you're a line drive hitter, you need to learn to hit the ball the other way and and driving those runs and manufactured runs, but. I think they don't do that well enough. I think they miss too many pitches, you know, not enough contact. And I think, you know, in situations, I I think the players that have the ability to be able to do good things put too much pressure on themselves when they get in those situations and they need to relax. Relax would be nice, but
1: I think all it keeps amounting to is more guys left on base, more runners left on in scoring position and a very frustrated fan base because this team, all we kept saying all along was, oh, they're still in first place, even though With all the injuries, all the guys that couldn't and weren't performing up to the back of their bubblegum cards, they were still in first place. Now no longer in first place, and they're trying to find their way back into this thing. They've got a daunting task. you got the Dodgers still and the Giants. Ten more games up ahead. What do you think is going to be happening?
2: Well, I think they just have to utilize their ability to play the game and, and know who you are. I think when you don't have an identity of who you are, you think you're this team and you're in first place. Why are you in first place? Because the other teams are playing poorly in your division and you know the other teams are struggling. So why can't you continue to move forward and build a bigger lead? And I think that's something they they didn't do. And I think it's catching up to them. You know, of course, you, you don't have a rotation that can really perform like you uh, believe your rotation would be. And that's because of injuries, of course. But also as an offensive player, you have to step it up. You know, when you know that you have lost key guys in your rotation, that's the time where you have to step it up and you have to play exciting baseball, excitement. You got to bring excitement. You got to be a player that's not afraid, you know, to fail. Okay, I think a lot of times, you know, a lot of guys think about, you know, their failure instead of going through that process so you can succeed. Because if a player knows that he's going to have some failures, then you know you're going to be successful. But you have to be successful against the good teams, okay? This is one thing that they have to learn. We can beat the national. But can we beat a rotation like the Dodgers? Can we beat a team like the Giants when we're going to have to play some serious baseball? Do we have the ability to manufacture runs? Do we have the ability to get guys over and get guys in? Do we have the ability when we face top line pitching? And I think that's the difference right there uh, of beating a team that's under 500 that doesn't have that kind of rotation and going in and facing the Dodgers like they did. They had the chance and opportunity to win those games, but you got to win them. If you don't win them, you don't win them. You know, and that's just the way it is, you know, and I think a team has to understand we must, we, we got to win. We can't talk about winning, but we got to win those games. We and like that. You said the word that I had said about
1: a week ago, I tweeted out the word urgency. This team doesn't seem like they play with any urgency. Like they're kind of going through the paces and they are late offensive ball club. They get to the relievers, not necessarily the starters. My next question is twofold because you, I think you hit two points on the head in this day and age. Strikeouts seem to be okay. Would you have been okay with striking out over two hundred times?
2: No, strikeout is not okay. Strikeouts strikeouts is a part of the game. There's no question about that. And I think only for home run hitters, you know, they're allowed to have, you know, a lot of strikeouts. But I think other guys shouldn't be striking out as much. If you're a player and, and you've struggled this year and you've had some injuries, now you need to have to make some adjustments. I don't I don't see a lot of adjustments made and hitters when I watched their approach at the plate. You got to make adjustments. I mean, I was real good because Jim Fry, who was my hitting coach, he allowed me to understand how to get better at the game and that's to be able to make adjustments. And then there was Hernandez on our team who taught me how to hit left-hand pitching. Our guys helping each other, our guys understanding the importance of who we are as a team. And I think that was the difference in our ability to play the game. You know, we, we had players that helped each other. Carter helped, uh, helped some of the younger players you know, make adjustments when they were struggling and stuff like that. Because guys that had been around in the big leagues that had great success, they understand that you got to make those adjustments. If you don't make those adjustments, you're going to be that particular player in those situations and you're not going to be capable of fulfilling what your job is to do because you're not there. You haven't made the adjustment.
0: Preach, Daryl. I you know, every show I tell Figgy, I say, you know, oh, can we lay start. down some bunts? There it can is. we move runners over? There it you know, is. he he makes fun of me because I love a good bunt. Get the guy over, get a hit. It's what I love. So keep doing it, and the Mets aren't doing enough of it. Their manager, Luis Rojas, Daryl, very much into the analytics, the numbers, lefty-lefty, righty-righty. Is Luis Rojas the right manager for the Mets, or do you think if this team misses the playoffs, they have to go in another direction?
2: Well, I'm not going to say if he is, if he's not. You know, and I think he's doing the best that he can with what he has. It's up to the players to understand the game. And you talk about guys doing the little things. You think about uh, Lenny Dykstra and Wally Backman, Mookie Wilson. All those guys that are at the top of our order. They knew their job. They knew they didn't have to hit the ball at the ballpark. They knew they had to move the runners over, advance the run. So we got hitters in our middle of our order that can drive the ball and get the ball to the ballpark and we don't have to play any other way. So I think all the way around, they got a lot more things to think about that's more important than the analytics, you know, whatever they call them. And I I don't believe in that. I'm a fundamental guy. I believe in baseball as a fundamental game and you need to play the game the way it's supposed to be. And, and if you get back to doing that, you're going to be very successful winning. You can be good and still not win playing the way you play today. But to be great, I think that's why our teams were so great year in and year out. Because fundamentally, we were sound. We did the things down the spring training that we would carry into the season. And we would always be in the race because we knew that we had the ability to do the things that was going to make us win ball games. Yeah,
1: the roster construction was so different as well. I think you guys were so balanced because you had that mixture of speed, power, the ability to drive in runs, put the ball in play, hit and runs. You guys excelled at that, and that's such a lost art in today's game. But I think that roster construction, having said that, instead of having the redundant big one type of swing in one area, yeah, it looks good if everybody hits 20 home runs. But now we're already, you know, three quarters of the way through the season and you're looking at the home run totals for some of these guys that were expected to be in the 20s and 30s. And we've got one guy, Pete Alonzo, who's been carrying the load with hitting the long ball with any consistency. Having said that, how difficult is it to be that lone guy that everybody's expecting to come through in the clutch every single time?
2: It puts a lot of pressure on him, you know, because of the expectations, you know, after having a rookie season like he did and then coming back in the short season, now coming back having a full season. The the expectations are going to be there. But if he just stay within himself, and not try to hit the long ball and just hit the ball. I never tried to hit home runs. I just always tell guys, they say, Well, why did you hit so many home runs? Because I said, I hit the ball hard. You know, I stayed on the baseball. That's the key to uh, the b- baseball is going to travel if you hit it hard, if you don't think about swinging up. I realize they got so many guys uh, who have long swings. Like I said, when you have a long swing, like I've seen some of these guys during the course of, of this season for them, and when I watch them and I see how big their swings are and long, when you face good pitching, they're going to eat you up. I can tell you that right now because good pitching is good pitching. And you're going to have to be very disciplined when you face good pitching because they're not just going to give in to you. Good pitchers no good hitters' weakness. And I think a lot of times guys don't think pitchers study them pitchers study you and realize where you're weak at they realize if I can throw you high fastballs 90 95 up and you're gonna swing up and you're not gonna catch up with it because you got to hit that ball square at 95 to be able to drive it out of the ballpark and I think that's what's happening to so many guys in their lineup there's no balance everybody's got big swings you know everybody's got big swings on, on certain counts where they don't need need a big swing Okay, you could take one shot out. The next time in that bat, you got to say, okay, I got to get a pitch that I could drive the ball and put the ball in play, so we can keep this rally going and make things continue to happen.
0: They're swinging out of their ass, right, Figgy? They're just swinging no, from no. their bottom, without a doubt. And I think
1: that's something that you know Daryl can attest to. I don't know, Daryl. I think uh, I'm going to start having to nominate you as the next hitting coach.
2: <laughs> well, let me say this. Let me say this about guys: you have to know as a player that played the game. You have to know each player and you look at his ability to play the game and that's how you teach him how to play the game at the major league level and I think that's the important things that's missing in so many guys everybody thinks it's about the big home run you know I've never seen so many guys hit more solo home runs than you know the three run home or two run home or win ball games because they don't understand that I can drive in runs without doing that there were tons of games that I drive in five runs I, I don't hit a home run I hit a double in the gap, or I hit a, you know base hit when when the runners on second and third. So what? Those are the little things that guys don't work on anymore. I, I think they all go up there and they have this great approach. And well, if I hit the home runs, if I hit twenty five home runs, I'm I'm gonna get the big contract. You may hit twenty five home runs, but why are you hitting two ten? You know why are you hitting you know why are you hitting 190 You know you're not working towards anything building of who you are as a player. You have to identify yourself as who you are, not who someone else is. And I think that's what I see and a lot of guys you know i would take each player and i'll say this is the kind of player you are all right this is the kind of player you are this is the kind of player you are everybody's not going to be the monster guy that's going to you know drive in 125 ribbies but some of you here should be driving the 75 and you should be hitting you know 290 you're not going to hit 330 you know you and some of you going to hit the 250 60 but you're going to drive in you know 120 runs 100 runs you're going to hit 39 30 you know like i was 39, 35 home runs, whatever that may be. And that's good. So once they understand that and know who they are, then their approach is different. You know, your approach to the game is different. You don't change who you are as a player. It's your approach that you change. I think, you know, you you, you play hard, you play aggressive, and you still be, but it's the great approach that you have, I think the great approach that we had on our team was great balance. When you had Lenny and Wally at the top of the order, you had Amanda third, you had Carter fourth, you had me fifth, Ray Knight or whoever else was in the lineup. But everybody knew who they were and they played their roles. And I don't think you see that today. I think you see too many guys trying to be the man. Everybody wants to be the man. That's not the case. There's only going to be a few stars on each team. That's going to elevate themselves to a greater level than the other players because of their ability to play the game because they understand the game.
0: Uncle Stevie Cohn gives you a call this winter to be the new heading coach. What's your response?
2: I don't know about that. I don't know if I really want to ever, you know, put on the uniform and be on the field of coaching. Would I like to be involved with the organization again one day? Hopefully, maybe, you know, you know, maybe I'll have that conversation with them and, and Sandy, you know, and, and one day come back. I mean, it's an organization that I love, that I grew up in, and I realized that winning is so important, but how do we get there? I think the fans are tired of seeing that expectations, and we start off well, and then we just somewhere we collapse, we fall apart. Why does that happen to us? Because what they don't realize, I think, more than anything, you're going to have to play some real pressure games. Are you prepared for that? And you saw that. I mean, watching them play the other couple nights against the Dodgers, I think, is an example why one team is up here and the other team is going the other direction. Why the Dodgers are who they are. And the Mets are not not ready for that challenge just yet. You know, hopefully they can get themselves together and gather themselves together and say, you know, we got to be better at what we're doing as a team.
0: Did that conversation? You were with Steve and Alex Cohen the other day. Did you say, hey, you know, I'm available, <laughs> Uncle Stevie. Uh, Want to put me on payroll here? What's going on?
2: No, I didn't. I didn't have any kind of conversation like that with him. I'm, I'm just glad to meet him. Glad that you know he's a fan. His wife's a fan. They were pretty. They were awesome people just to be around and have a conversation with and you know hopefully one day we'll move forward and have more conversations about you know how can this get better you know because I mean they can get better they have to identify themselves as who they are that's the problem in baseball if you don't identify yourself who you are you don't get better you think about the Yankees everybody knows they're home run hitters but if they don't hit home runs in the right situation they're not going to win you know because that's who they are You know, And I think the Mets are a different team than that. The Mets have to understand the kind of players we have. And as big as this ballpark is, everybody's not going to hit 30 home runs. You may hit a couple here and there, but as big as this ballpark and much room as this ballpark have, why don't we use it from line to line? Why don't we use it from the left field line to the right field line and the left field gap to the right field gap for driving and running?
0: What were your impressions of Steve Cohen? Talking to him, do you feel like he has this franchise headed in the right direction?
2: I believe he does have the franchise headed in the right direction. I believe he's a fan. He's going to leave it up to his baseball people to really figure out, you know, how do, how do we get there? How do we get there and be consistent? How do we get there where we have fans coming to the ballpark every night and they're excited about our team plan? Those are the next steps, okay? You're the new owner. Okay, you, you're you going to do some new things, but how do we how do we get coaches and everybody that understand understanding what winning is all about. If you've never won, you wanna win, that's a different story. <laughs> you know, but if you know about winning, you got coaches that are sitting on your bench that know about winning, they know how to win. Okay. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I think I think a lot of that is missing about, you know, coaches and who's there and who knows about winning. Because a lot of guys that play in this organization, like Tuffle and Hojo, guys like that are good for the organization because they know about winning. You know, they they understand winning because they were a part of winning, and they know
1: how we got there. Absolutely. uh, That's something that I think is missing, uh, even if it's at the minor league levels, uh, to have those guys around, to have those guys to draw off of their experiences. It's not just the X's and O's. It's everything that goes into it. It's about how you deal with, you know, a 10 day road trip how you deal with, you know, stresses that go on off the field. You guys have so many life experiences that you could pass on to this younger generation about dealing with the pressures of being in New York. That's why somebody like yourself, somebody like Doc. Yes, you guys had some highs and some lows, but I think more so than anything, you also feel like passing on the, the mistakes that you made in the past could help the next generation of ball player deal with those pressures a lot better.
2: No question about it. You know, guys that understand and been there and understand the pressure of playing there and The expectations and learning how to live with that because the expectations are real in new york and if you can't live under them you're gonna start finding out you're gonna be booed and can you handle it when they start booing you because they're gonna boo you that's that's just part of it you know i experienced that and i love the fact that they booed me met fans when i wasn't playing well because basically they were telling me you suck and you better than that and i think too many guys don't too many guys take that personal instead of understanding why they are there. they That's the kind of fans they have. They're passionate about you guys over there in Queens. They want you to win. They die hard met fans. And here it is, you break your heart every year. You know, you start off in a place where we're going to look like we're going to win, and we're still not quite there yet. You know, hopefully, you know, some things... We'll move forward and, you know, you will bring some players back that don't want to be in the major leagues. I don't want to be around the major leagues. I mean, I like the major league teams, but I like the younger players. Can you develop your younger players? And I think a lot of times when you get away from your development of your younger players when they come to the big leagues if they haven't been developed right with the passion and understanding of how to win in New York they're not going to win i don't care how good i don't care what kind of season they have you know if they don't know how to do that together you're not going to be successful i think the difference in us is we blend it with veterans and younger players and the veteran players help the younger players understand how to play here and how we can ride together and how we can win together and i think that was just an awesome that i had the opportunity to be able to experience in my time playing over there
0: that's legend daryl strawberry is on amazing but true for a few more minutes you can follow him on instagram at daryl strawberry 18 check out findingyourway.com and see what he's doing there and he's got his book to turn your season around you can check that out um, wherever you get books. Daryl. how drastic was the difference when you were with the Mets and Queens, and then you go to the Yankees and win those three titles with our pinstripe pod host, Jeff Nelson? Did you notice the huge difference in ownership and, and wanting to win? Was it like through the roof, that drastic a difference from Queens to the Bronx?
2: No question about it. It was a, a different belief in the owner uh, the boss George, he, he was crazy about his players. He didn't worry about what the media had to say or think about people. He always believed in people. He always loved people, and he didn't he didn't care if people had failures because he had you know met with me one time. He says everybody has failures, you know, it's part of life. But he says you know your ability to play baseball and, and play in New York, he just thought you put on the Yankee uniform, you're a part of a family, and, and that was such a great feeling because to be able to play with all those guys and and, and know how well those guys are and Jeter and Mo and see those guys grow. Up with those guys they grew up together but I came through and played with them yeah, they just like close friends you know and Jesus you know he's getting inducted to the Hall of Fame in September and he extends himself and sends out an invitation to me to come be a part of the event I'm not able to but I'm traveling that just tells you what kind of family it is around baseball when you have a career and you you have people in your life and you stay connected and and those things are so real I mean just like Gary Carter Gary Carter was you know one we lost in and it was a heartbreaking, but he was a he was a true, you know, leader, family type of guy. You know, encouraged guys, you know, about life, not just only putting them on the baseball uniform. I was inspired by his life and stuff. So you see people that you meet along the way that are real important in your life, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity of playing with the Yankees and Joe Torre giving me the opportunity to be a part of those uh, years over there and and being able to play and help that organization win.
0: Did the Mets try to bring you back after nineteen ninety, or if so, did was it a lesser offer, or did you just have your mind set on going back uh, to California and the Dodgers?
2: No, they didn't really have no idea of bringing me back there. I and mean, they just kind of threw out a three year deal and said take it or leave it. Yeah, I left it. You know, it's just the way it was at that time. You know, it was a very difficult time. You know, leaving there because my heart and soul was in New York, and New York fans are you know always dear to my heart, and Mets fans will always be dear to my heart because of. Over you know, the years I played there and, and to be able to walk away and go on the free agency market, I didn't never want to get to that point. I, I wish I would have had a contract before that last year was over, but they said, Well, we're not going to negotiate during the course of your last season. I said, Well, I'm going to go out with a bang then if you're not going to negotiate. And and that's what happened. And, and it left me crippled and left me no choice but to make a decision to go out west.
1: Yeah. So you've known both of those different things of uh, high pressure. So you've played for the Mets in New York and the pressure of playing New York on both sides with both teams. And now and then being playing for your hometown team where you grew up in L.A., which had more pressure on you?
2: I don't think it was a lot of pressure to play in in California. I just think it was a lot different for me because I had played eight years in New York. So guess what? I'm I'm used to New York fans. Going back home was a little bit different, you know, experience for me because I'm used to fans, you know, coming early at Shea and leaving late. California was nothing wrong with LA's great baseball town and everything, basketball town. You know, it was just a different atmosphere that I was kind of going into that was compared to what it was playing in New York all those years. They come, so now, late. They come to... late and they leave early, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, they do. Of course they do. But I'm used to I'm I'm used to the fans just hanging over the dugout and yelling at you, telling you, you suck. You better get it together. What's wrong with you? <laughs> that kind of baseball was exciting to me because they made me play. They made me play in Queens. When you, when you push a player and let him know, don't just pat him on the back and tell him he's good all the time. I think that's what players get away. You know, they get comfortable with that. But when they start booing you and you start feeling that, that's going to make you rise to to the next level and that's what it was playing the queen yeah i think booing is misconstrued at times booing
1: for i love the way that you said it booing shows that the fans care they care they want you to be better than you're currently being if they didn't care about you they wouldn't even pay attention to your at bats they wouldn't even pay attention to your numbers right so i think the booing sometimes gets misconstrued as the unintelligent fan just booing because he struck out just now no Fans are following your every move, everything that you do and every word that comes out your mouth, especially these days with social media. So those fans feel like they you know, are going to boo. And I think that's the only way that they can let you know that they're hurting as much as you are, even though you think you're by yourself. Like, oh, my God, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. And nobody noticed. Yeah, they notice. Don't worry. So I think you did a tremendous job of explaining what those boos should be turned into knowing that the fans care.
2: Yeah, when you when you start talking and you start talking to the media and social media and you what you guys have today, the players, and you start talking about we got this, well, you better have it because they're they following you, you know, and, and you better rise up to the occasion because it's going to come and you're going to be put in that spot and they're going to expect you to come through. Because if you tell them you got it, you better do it, you know, because that's what they look for. I think that was the difference when we said things, you know, we got this. When we came into a year like 1986 and our first meeting was with Davey Johnson, the screen trainer, he said, I don't have a whole lot to say because we lost in 85 to the Cardinals. We lost in 84 to the Cubs. 86, he came and said, I ain't got a lot to say about this year. He said, we're going to win it all. We just kind of looked around at each other and we said, yeah, hell yeah, we're going to win it all. And, and, and that's it. And we and we and took we took on the responsibility of that. And we came out the gates of that season, we never looked back. It was over because we knew who we were. We identified ourselves as who we were and who we were going to be in front of our fans. And we were going to play our behind off for them this year. And we we're going to win it all. We we're going to be in the race. And was it a struggle? Yeah, we had a struggle against the Astros in the playoffs, but we beat them. Was it a struggle in the World Series against the uh, Boston Red Sox? Yeah, we went down OT. But we, you know what? We didn't give up. We came back and we beat them.
0: Daryl Strawberry. Follow him on Instagram, at Daryl Strawberry. 18, findingyourway.com. Darrell, we saw you a few weeks ago. I think you might still be able to hit one out of that short porch in right field at Yankee Stadium. What says you?
2: Well, who's going to run for me? (laughs) I mean, I know you get to jog around the bases. <laughs> but when you get older and you get to, you, when you get older and get to this point now, and you can't run anymore, you don't even run anymore. Then that's it. You, you're done. You know you're done. Everybody say you look good. Well, good luck. <laughs> um, you can look good. <laughs> you can look good. But no, I would never want to put on a uniform and ever think about swinging a bat or playing baseball ever again. I've been there and done that and I had a lot of fun doing it. Right?
1: Look here, I would I would send a uh, Uber uh, Uber Tesla to pick you up to take you around the bases just to watch you swing it one more time, brother. <laughs> you need to
0: have a legends home run. How do they gonna have a legends home run derby? Like old players because come it back hurt and them. try to Do it at Yankee Stadium. Forget the celebrity game. Do Yankee Stadium celebrity or a legends home run oh. derby. Darryl would win that.
2: Oh my god, a lot of guys would be hurting the next day, too. <laughs> <laughs> Get them in the bath.
0: Have you seen the 30 for 30, the once upon Atomic Queens. Have you got the early release? Have you seen it? And if so, can you give us a sneak peek of uh, why Mets fans should be excited for it?
2: I I haven't seen it, but I heard it was pretty incredible. I'm quite sure they're going to be having a showing. And I'm I'm, I'm thinking that if I'm free, I'm going to go see it. But um, I know it's going to be exciting because I know that team. And I know how crazy that team was. And I know how we believed in each other. And even at times when we didn't like each other, we still believed in each other. And that's what's so great about that team.
1: Hey, anything that today's Daryl Strawberry would tell the
2: younger Daryl from the '86 days? Yeah, don't be so stupid. You know, I mean, you know, it's, it's life, and life's gonna show up. And you always say you could you could pick your sins, but you can't pick your consequences because they're coming. And I think a lot of guys don't understand the consequences are real.
0: Daryl Strawberry, he's preaching way dot com. Daryl Strawberry eighteen Instagram. Go get all of his books out there, turn your season around, go get it. And that 30 for 30, September 14th and 15th on ESPN. Darrell, great to uh, catch up with you. So glad to have you on amazing, but true. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks.
2: All right. Thanks for having me guys. Appreciate you guys.
0: And that'll say adios to episode 78. There is no number 78 in Mets history of amazing, but true. I know our Mets podcast, from the new york post
1: thanks to you jake and brian Mungia for producing the show give us a five-star rating and write a nice review on apple Podcasts. you can also find us on spotify stitcher or wherever you get your podcast
0: for nelson figueroa i'm jake brown we'll be back on thursday following the mets series against the giants in the bay enjoy the games and let's go mets